right, how you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is the day after the MLB trade deadline. And boy, we got a lot of great stuff in store for you today. You know, this is a live stream. That means that you can participate in the conversation. If you're on YouTube or on Facebook, just type your comments in. Um, I'll see them on my screen. We can have a bit of a conversation today. But we're going to kind of get into a number of things here. Um, I mean, of course, the whole flurry of what went on in the MLB trade deadline. We'll take a look at a little bit of that, uh, particularly from the Padres' perspective. Um, but uh, more importantly, I want to get to you know some life lessons that I learned. If you really think through this MLB trade deadline, there's it's almost like a metaphor for life. And I kind of want to break that down because that's sort of consistent with what we talk about in this podcast about, you know, the pursuit of happiness. And there is kind of an angle here. There is a way that these two things kind of line up, um, you know, the MLB trade deadline and pursuing happiness. So I, that's going to be the fun part of the combo. But I, I want to kick it off today with just an update on some of the things that are going on with me and Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. I mean, this is incredible what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. And I just want to give you all an update on what's going on. So, um, you know, about, gosh, it was about three years ago that I did a podcast episode talking about the Mighty 1090, which was the all sports talk radio station here in San Diego. And back then they they basically folded up. They closed up shop and you know it was an end of an era. And so I had a podcast and we you know I shared all my thoughts about all the great hosts that were there, starting with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and Jim Rome and Steve Hartman and Chet Forty and gosh, Billy Ray uh, uh, Smith and Scott Kaplan and Philly Billy and the coach John Contreras, so many great guys at that station. Um, and, you know, I, I learned about Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and I was first introduced to this probably about 1989. And the story was, is that uh, I was working here in San Diego you know, I, I got out of college here at UCSD, went to L.A. for a couple of years, didn't like it, came back to San Diego. And around that time, one of my buddies had put together a fantasy baseball um, league. And this was, uh, yeah, 1989. This is before fantasy baseball became a big thing, before, um, you know, we were all doing it online. He had actually, we, we read this book. It was called the rotisserie baseball handbook or something. And it was about these sports writers that met in a restaurant in New York city that I guess had a rotisserie. They served, you know, some kind of, uh, some kind of meal that was rotisserie prepared. And they invented this league where you could be a general manager of the team and you can draft players and you get points if they hit home runs or have RBIs or if they have a lot of strikeouts. And they devised this amongst these guys in a restaurant in New York City. And a book was written about it. And my friend Jack up in San Francisco just loved this idea so much. And he wanted to create one for him and I and a bunch of our friends. And it was incredible what he did. And I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but he this is before Microsoft Excel. He built this in Lotus 123. And he would take, we, there were six teams and we only did the National League teams. And he would actually go to, I think it was, um, I don't know, if it, I don't know what, what book he went to. You know, one of those statistics magazines that would come out like every week or every month, he'd buy that and he would key in all the data and, and then feed that into his spreadsheet. And it would do all these macros to calculate the, uh, the scoring for our league. And it was really cool. I mean, this is, again, groundbreaking. And I look back on this, geez, my buddy Jack probably could have cashed in on this. It was such a remarkable thing that he had built. But anyways, back then in 1989, I'm hanging out here in San Diego with one of my buddies I used to work with. His name was Don. And Don says to me, he goes, have you heard about this guy, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton? I'm like, what? I mean, this is 1989. I'm mostly listening to FM radio, you know, maybe a little bit of talk show, um, particularly if it's the Padre game. Uh, and he told me about how, yeah, the 690, they were, at the time, they were all news. This is shortly after they converted to all news. Prior to that, they were rock and roll. And he said, yeah, on evening drive-by time, they've got this guy that's just like this encyclopedia of information and has all this this great stuff. I and mean, you got to listen to him. And so um, that's how I got introduced to Hacksaw. And I've been listening to Hacksaw for 
decades. I mean, the starting in 89, through the 90s, through the 2000s, into the 2010s. And I know that, you know, talk radio, sports radio kind of went sideways and it's a volatile environment. But um, it, it's just incredible. And so when the 1090 folded, I built, I wrote, I did that podcast episode and it was one of those podcast episodes that always seemed to get a lot of downloads, a lot of views, you know, even months or years after I had posted it. Um, Because especially in YouTube, you know, it would always kind of come up on the recommended videos. Um, So if you were following sports talk radio or you were looking at something about, I don't know, Jim Rome, they would serve up my video for that podcast episode on YouTube. So I kind of had this recurring stream of activity. Well, then like three years ago, I mean, excuse me, three years after I did it, this is in 2019. So earlier this year, um, I got a phone call or, a, yeah, no, it was a text message, I think, or an email from a guy named Jerry Donadio. I don't know who Jerry is. He contacts me. He says, I can't believe I found your podcast. He says, no one has done this. Um, no one has been, you know, updating us on sports talk radio. You know, I hear stuff from the radio broadcasters. I might hear stuff from the newspaper media that are commenting on the radio broadcasters, but never just some random guy talking about it for like an hour and a half, which is what I did. And so it turned out that Jerry was a former salesman for the 1090 sold advertising. And he said, Hey man, would you like to meet Hacksaw? I know him and I could arrange a meeting. I mean, he knew I was a big fan of Hacksaw. And so, uh, and I had always known that Hacksaw lived in the area. I live in Poway and I knew he was somewhere nearby because my daughter um, would run into him sometimes at Mama Cella's, which is like this little Italian restaurant in Rancho Bernardo. At the time, she was a hostess. Remember, she came home from work one day. He's like, Dad, you'll never guess who was in our restaurant. So um, anyways, uh, I got invited, hung out with Lee for a morning. We had pancakes at IHOP, and Jerry joined us, and we just had a great conversation. Now, all along, you know, Jerry had sort of a secret agenda. He, he's been wanting to get Hacksaw his own podcast. And he saw me and he said, well, maybe he's thinking to himself, maybe this John Riley guy can help Lee get his podcast started. And, you know, that kind of came up in the conversation. And of course, I would be willing to help. I mean, I've, you know, I've, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton has offered so much value to me in my life. Why not? You know, so we invited Lee over and we did a podcast interview on my podcast show, my, my channel on YouTube, my audio only podcast, John Riley Project. You can go on the website, you can see it. And we did that about three weeks ago or so. And uh, man, what a pleasure uh, getting to know Lee, bringing him here into my home. And, and, uh, and Lee kind of got a little more acclimated to what podcasting was all about. And so we decided to get started. And so, um, you know, now, now I'm helping Lee start a podcast. And so last week we did the first episode and Lee Hacksaw Hamilton now has his own audio only podcast, his own YouTube channel. He's live streaming or simulcasting on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. So I'm just kind of helping put it all together. And it's kind of fun because this is a guy that I love following. And he was always in my mind, sort of like this celebrity that I would always experience in my car radio. And now he's in my living room and we're not, I'm not only helping him set up the podcast, I'm co-hosting it with him. Uh, Now, granted, you know, Lee has a lot to say. So co-hosting is really more that I'm just kind of, you know, teeing up the, the topics on the table for him to get into. But what a thrill. I mean, it's just, it's just really fun. And it's just another example of some of the amazing things that have happened to me since I started this podcast, the people I meet, the experiences I have, the connections I make. I mean, it's just incredible. So, um, so it's kind of fun. So, you know, in the world of live streaming and podcasting, a, a certain radio personalities have done a very good job transitioning to the online world. I think Scott Kaplan is a really good example. His show Kaplan and Crew is live streamed. It's an audio podcast. He even has it broadcast a tape version, a recorded version is broadcast on television and on the radio. Um, So good on him. Good on Scott uh, for putting that together with his two co-hosts. 
Um, so, you know, now we're kind of getting Lee going on this. And so I'm really excited for Hacksaw. And uh, I'm really interested to see where this goes because he, he is a big-time name in the world of sports talk radio. And I think there's an opportunity for him with a podcast to, to get out in front of people because with the whole volatility of sports talk radio, you know, he's not behind the microphone with a 77,000 watt blowtorch signal like he used to have at 690. So we did our podcast last week and the initial numbers, the, the, the analytics were really, really encouraging. You know, the number of views, the hours watched, the downloads, the positive comments. You wouldn't believe the comments. People are saying, you know, they, they type in just like you can on this live stream. They're saying, Hacksaw, great to see you, boy. Love seeing you back on the air. You know, well, quote, on the air, live streaming. You know, we're not really broadcasting on the air, but they love seeing him back. You know, Hacksaw is an interesting guy. I mean, there's a lot of people that love him. There's a lot of people that don't love him. But love him or hate him, you know who he is. Love him or hate him, he has captivating content. He's a professional. And, man, just what a thrill. I'm just so excited. And so, you know, we're leading into this MLB trade deadline. And, uh, you know, so this this podcast episode for me is going to be very heavy sports. Um, you know, usually I'm talking about politics and culture and society. And we'll dabble in sports. But this one's all sports. So, um Anyways, thanks for, you know, Chris Sohei on the live stream commenting. Great story. No, thanks, Chris. I mean, it's, it's kind of a real fun thing for me. And I just wanted to share my enthusiasm with you about the whole thing. And I'm thrilled for Hacksaw. I mean, I really am legitimately really happy for him. And I'm hoping this turns into something. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes with me as a co-host. I mean, this may morph into maybe me being more of the producer behind the scenes. And that might be more appropriate, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Bruce Uke on the live stream commenting, sorry, not listening, but had to comment. Bob Melvin must feel like he's gone from shopping at Ross to shopping at Giorgio Armani. All right, Bruce, good to hear from you. Bruce, of course, one of my good friends from our college days at UC San Diego. And, you know, I know, Bruce, you're an Oakland A's fan, so you've had 10 plus great years of Bob Melvin in Oakland. I mean, I'll tell you what, what a first-class guy he is. I mean, so impressive. Uh, just really, really like this man. Um, knows what he's doing, experience. And yeah, he's, he's had lean times in Oakland. And to, yesterday was just like an avalanche of unbelievable things that happened with the San Diego Padres. Almost entirely positive. And Bob Melvin now suddenly is just is just blessed with all these riches, all this talent, all these great players, many of which are definitely going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Now Bob Melvin has a chance not just to kind of squeeze into the playoffs like the A's would do from time to time, really maximize their payroll. But now he has a chance to go deep in, into October, and I'm really excited about that as well. So, um, so yeah, anyways, let's talk a little bit now about the Padres and what everything that went on yesterday. Okay. Now, I will say this. Tomorrow at 2 o'clock Pacific time, Hacksaw will be here. We'll do – I mean, we're going to really break it down in Hacksaw's podcast. Um, so I leave that. I'm just going to share some highlights from my own point of view. Now, my head – was spinning all day yesterday. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I we, we kind of knew this Soto trade was possibly going to happen, but so many things also happened at the same time. And and I and I always kind of get excited leading up to to the MLB trade deadline day because it's an exciting time in the sport. And MLB, you know, more so than football or basketball, will do a lot excuse me, we'll do a lot of trades. And so I was, I've been getting excited for it. I always, every year I'm always really thrilled to follow what happens because there's usually a flurry of activity and teams are sort of kind of reborn again, or they're doubling down or they're changing strategy, which we're going to break down a little bit. But yesterday, I, mean, I just couldn't work. I mean, I had trouble focusing on, my clients on a lot of the other projects that I, you know, that pay my bills, it was difficult. 
because I was so distracted by it all. And um, it's not until really today that I've kind of come back to earth and I've settled back down. Now, granted, I'm a baseball nerd, so I get off on this day, and it was incredible. And so, uh, you know, there's a website. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called MLBTradeRumors.com. I mean, I discovered this website about three or four years ago, and oh, my God, what an amazing site. And so this is a site that they um, curate, like, all of the rumors and tweets from all the beat writers for all the Major League Baseball teams um, and they do a lot of other online chat, but it's a site that's like hardcore baseball nerds or baseball fantasy players would love this. You'll find out, you know, who's getting sent down to the minors and who's going on the injured list and who they bringing up to replace them. And and then especially as we get near the trade deadline, that's where you get all the buzz. And I just was constantly hitting refresh on that page. And as we got closer and closer to the deadline, it was just constantly new information, like almost every minute. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the Padres. Um, but, you know, going back, like I said, like we tar- started the podcast, 1989, when my buddy Jack started that rotisserie league. And Bruce, I think, I don't know if you're still watching, Bruce, but I think you were in that league for a period of time, weren't you? I think you were. Um, but anyways, I remember back then, 1987, right up before the trade deadline, the San Francisco Giants acquired Steve Bedrosian. And I remember that was a really big deal because – the, the Giants at the time in 1987, they hadn't been to the playoffs since 1971. You know, they had gone like 16 years without being in the playoffs. And they actually had a legit team. And I think that was the Kevin Mitchell, Will Clark, Robbie Thompson team with Big Daddy Rick Russell as the pitcher. And, and then they got Bedrosian because they needed a lockdown closer. And I remember that happened at the trade deadline. And that's what kind of got me hooked on this whole thing, which usually happens on the last day of July, but this year was extended till August 2nd. But this is always my, like one of my favorite times of the year. And uh, so anyways, what happened last night or yesterday with the Padres? So of course, all the Juan Soto rumors turned out to be true. Um, You know, Juan Soto, 23 year old, one of the greatest players, um, you know, of the last five years on a trajectory on on par with Ted Williams and Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. He's that kind of a player. And the impact he's made in his first four or five years in the league. I mean, he's an MVP, home run champ, World Series champion, batting champion. I mean, this guy is the real deal. And he was put on the market. There were a lot of teams scrambling. It was really came down to the Cardinals, the Padres and the Dodgers. And, you know, as a Padre fan, you know, we've been burned so many times, especially last year when the Padres thought they had locked up Max Scherzer. And then at literally the 11th hour, the Dodgers swooped in and, and got not just Max Scherzer from the Nationals, they also got Trey Turner. And we just felt like, you know, just like it was like Charlie Brown, like going to kick the football and Lucy pulls the football out. And once again, the San Diego sports curse struck last year. So we were all kind of you know, skeptical. (laughs) Was this going to really happen? Because we've been burned so many times and it really did happen. And not only did he come to the the Padres, Juan Soto, but he didn't go to the Dodgers, which, I mean, if the Dodgers got Juan Soto, I mean, it would have been ridiculous. I mean, they were already like an incredible team. It would have just been insane. They would have been impossible to beat. Um, But now, I mean, when you've got Soto and Tatis and Machado, I mean, that, and you want to go put those three guys up against Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and Trey Turner. I mean, hey, this, we, we are now pretty darn close to being even Steven now with the Dodgers as far as talent goes. I mean, Joe Musgrove commented that when they played the Dodgers previously, they felt like they had to be perfect in order to beat them. And they knew that they had the talent to do that. But now, you know, there's some wiggle room. They don't need to be absolutely perfect because they've got just so much depth and so much talent. But the beauty, the beautiful thing about this is it wasn't just that we got Juan Soto. I mean, there's Josh Bell that came along and this switch hitting first baseman, hits for average, hits for power. I saw the press conference that was live streamed earlier this morning um, when Peter Seidler, A.J. Preller, Juan Soto, and Josh Bell were all there together. And they all commented, and the media was there. They asked questions. I mean, Josh Bell, I mean, he's an impressive young man. 
So what it was great to see him and and to hear from him and hear from Juan Soto, learn more about him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just genuinely excited. I mean, this is going to be great. And it wasn't just those guys. I mean, like a couple of days ago, the Padres got um, Josh Hader, another Josh. Josh Hader, one of the, the best closer in all of baseball. After their previous closer, Taylor Rogers, had blown five games. In fact, I think one or two of them he blew in Detroit. So... You know, he was a mental wreck, and we had to make a move and make a change. And you make a change, and you get the best closer in baseball. I mean, this is incredible. Um, so, and, it, and and there's also Brandon Drury's coming here, too. Brandon Drury, who I don't really know a whole lot about. I'm going to learn about him. But I know he played for Atlanta. I think he played for, was it Toronto? Um, I'm not sure of the teams. No, it was the Cincinnati Reds he came from. But apparently this guy's having a great year. He's got 20 home runs. He mashes against left-handers, and he can play almost anywhere on the field. So I think they're going to you know, kind of have him as another asset. So this is incredible. And, and uh, Eric Hosmer is gone. I mean, that, and that, that's something. I mean, you know, the Padres have been trying to trade him and his contract for so long they couldn't unload the guy um, because he just wasn't productive. He— I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. But he never lived up to that contract. And I think a lot of people called that contract back in what year was that, 2017, 2018, when he signed it? A lot of people said that there was too much money for his productivity. And that turned out to be true. Now, granted, going back, I I think the Padres still made the right decision to sign him because prior to that, they had, I mean, there was no legitimacy to the team. You know, they had flamed out with Matt Kemp and and Justin Upton and Craig Kimbrell and that all those deals. And they were back to like Will Myers and a bunch of AAA guys. So they had to, you know, kind of plant a flag and say, hey, we're definitely not going away. We're legit here. And I think Hosmer served that purpose. And, you know, if Hosmer didn't come, good chance Machado doesn't come. I mean, good chance... James Shields doesn't come, who was parlayed into Fernando Tatis. So, so Hosmer definitely has value to this franchise and did a lot for this franchise, but he never lived up to the contract. He didn't like being discussed in trade rumors. Meanwhile, all the teammates loved him. I mean, Machado and Tatis were generally sad to see him go, and I, I don't disagree with that. Um, but he, we needed a change at that position. So he was in the deal that was going back to Washington. Then he ends up rejecting the deal because he can. I think he's a, they call it a 10-5 player. You're 10 years in the league, five years with one team. And it gives you the ability to have a no-trade clause that's limited. So there's certain teams he can say, no, I won't go. And he doesn't have to go. Well, he said no to the Nationals deal. And... That sucked. I mean, we were all wondering, was it going to happen now? Was this deal going to fall through? Was, was the, were the Dodgers now at this moment going to swoop in? But no, they had like a contingency plan. And who ended up getting shipped off in his place was Luke Voigt, you know, our DH, who Luke Voigt has been getting better. And fans were warming up to him. And granted, he still wasn't as productive as we liked. But, you know, we, there was hope with Voigt. There was no hope with Hosmer. So, when Voigt was included in the deal, a lot of fans were disappointed. But I've got to believe that Voigt must be so upset, so pissed off at Eric Hosmer. Because I think Voigt generally liked being here. And here he's on a winning team. And, you know, they just acquired Soto. And he thought he was going to be on the team with Soto. And now suddenly he's the guy that gets flipped and sent back to Washington to a last place team. So it kind of sucks for him. Uh, but no, not kind of sucks. It really sucks for him. Uh, so he's got to be pissed off at Hosmer. I mean, oh, my God. Um, and then what do we get to see the last couple of games? We get to see Myers, Will Myers playing first base. He's back. And Will Myers, what? I mean, it's just kind of a joy to see him play first. He's enjoying himself. He's making plays that Hosmer often failed to make. And he's doing it with kind of a with a smile. And everyone's cheering for him because it's so so kind of unexpected because he hasn't played first base in like five years. And if he and he's starting to hit a little bit, you know. Granted, he's underperformed according to his contract, but it was kind of fun to see that too. I mean, so it just so yesterday you had all these trades, you had all this additional players being added, then Hosmer subtracted 
which was addition by subtraction. And they won a doubleheader um, against the Rockies. Now, they're going to play tonight, and their new players will all be there. Now, granted, Hader pitched last night. He got the win in the second game. Well, tonight, they're not only going to have Hader there, but they're going to have Juan Soto and Josh Bell and Brandon Drury. They're all going to be there. So tonight's game is going to be fun. Apparently, it's sold out. So the stadium should be rocking tonight. So that's going to be must-see TV. But I'm fired up for that. Now, I do want to make another comment. There's, If you're on Padre Twitter, there's a lot of guys that are on there. I mean, granted, Padre Twitter is fun as hell because there's a lot of people on there that are passionate Padre fans that love zinging each other, love having hot takes. There's a lot of comedy a lot of serious, you know, um, you know, butts get hurt, and it's kind of crazy. Well, there's a certain contingent of Padre fans that want to fire A.J. Preller, and they've been saying this forever. In fact, there are a lot of people in the national media that think he's done a terrible job as a general manager. Now, there are a lot of trades he's made that have gone the wrong way, but he's always bold. He's always willing to take chances And now, after what we've just experienced yesterday, can you really say that people should fire A.J. Preller? I mean, come on. I mean, one of the guys on on Padres Twitter who I really like, his name's Mickey Koch. And Mickey uh, loves making fun of the fire A.J. Preller people. And now, you know, of course, they're they're quiet. Um, But hell of a job by Preller and his staff to pull all this off, um, to acquire all of the talent that they could use as bargaining chips, to make these deals. I mean, it's like the farm system is almost like a never ending supply. You know, I guess it's the, the waves of talent, the hot talent lava that we talked about early on. Um, and then, you know, big kudos to Peter Seidler because they had to pony up more money when, after they made these trades, they went over the, the, the salary cap and now they're paying a penalty um, because they're exceeding the salary cap. I mean, in a million years, would you have ever thought, that this small market San Diego Padres, a team that was always low budget, a team whose previous general manager, Kevin Towers, would have to do what they call dumpster diving to pick up players off of waivers and then turn them into a reclamation project and then flip them you know, to try to build capital, build assets on the team. Now, we're no longer small market. I mean, we're one of only two or three teams that have exceeded the salary cap. I mean, this is a completely insane what's going on with this. And, and it's almost like they're, I mean, granted, they've, they've signed some bad deals like Hosmer and Myers and Pomeranz, you can maybe argue a little bit because he's been hurt so much. But it's not like they've been reckless. I mean, all of the decisions have been calculated, in my opinion, at the time they signed them made a lot of sense at that time. Um, and here we are um, at this point with, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So yeah, kudos to Seidler. I mean, again, we'll, we'll talk more about this with Hacksaw tomorrow. And I invite you to tune in, but not on the John Riley Project podcast. You'll need to go to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's podcast on, uh, you know, on, we got it. We got a, um, him on uh, Stitcher and Google podcasts. We're not on Apple podcasts yet for Hacksaw. We're not on um, Spotify yet. There, you have to submit and there's a process you have to go through. But we're on a lot of others. I think Google and Stitcher might be the two most popular apps where you can get the um, the podcast download. Or you can go to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's Twitter page, Facebook page, or YouTube page. And tomorrow at about 2 o'clock, Thursday at 2, you know, he'll be doing his broadcast and he'll you know Hacksaw. I mean, he'll break it all down. And, uh, and that'll be a thrill as well. So um, but I, I did put together my own lineup, which I love to see with the Padres. And this is, this is what it is. So the, I think the Padres will have Profar leading off in left field. Tatis, when he comes back, and he's close. Um, so he'll probably bat two and play shortstop. You have Soto in right field batting third. Machado at third batting fourth. Josh Bell would be the DH. Now, granted, he can play first or DH, but... He's a bit of a liability at first, and the way Myers is playing first, I mean, geez, you got to let Myers play there. So you'd have Bell as the DH. You'd have Cronoworth batting six, playing second base. Then Myers at first, batting seven. 
Then you've got Alfaro as, let's say, you know, it's Alfaro or Nola, but for the sake of discussion, Alfaro as the catcher. And then batting ninth is Grisham in center. Grisham's been playing really well lately after getting off to a terrible start. I mean, he won the game on a walk-off in the bottom of the ninth last night. Um, and then the bench, you've got you know this guy, Drury, who's coming over. I'm going to learn more about him. But he can play left field, right field. He can play most of the infield positions, maybe not short, but he can play second, third, and first. Um, and, of course, he can DH. And I know they're going to kind of platoon him, and they'll probably just use him against lefty pitchers. You still have Hassan Kim, who's going to man third, uh, shortstop for now. And when Tatis comes back, Kim will be that super utility guy that you can use in the infield. Um, and then you still got Mazzara as your fourth outfielder. And then you've got Austin Nola, who not only catches, but Austin Nola is a former middle infielder. He played shortstop and second base in the minors, and he only flipped to catcher to kind of be able to hold on to a major league job. But defensively, he can play anywhere in the infield too. So what a great bench. I mean, and then the starting pitching, I mean, it's going to be great. You got you Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Mike Clevenger. Um, you've got Snell and, and you've got Sean Manea. Um, and then the crazy part of this, not only is Hayter going to be the closer, but there's so many great middle relief pitchers that are going to be coming off the disabled list, the injured list here any moment now. So Pierce Johnson is going to be going to rehab assignment soon. He's a great middle reliever. Um, Robert Suarez, who they just signed last offseason, who showed a lot of promise. I mean, he could be a good seventh, eighth inning guy. Um, Chris Matt, who's been remarkable um, since he's this year especially. I mean, last year he was mop-up guy through 82 miles an hour. But now he's like a legitimate like late-inning guy, high-leverage guy. Um, and Adrian Morhone would come in, throw 100 miles an hour. Um, and Pomeranz is going to be coming back soon. He's going to start a rehab. And then plus you've got Martinez, um, who's been very valuable for the team. And then you've got Garcia. I mean, what a what a lineup. And, and now you're going to be pushing guys out. I mean, there's no room in the roster now for Craig Stammen or Steven Wilson or Michelle Baez or even for Austin Adams. So... I mean, this is great. I mean, talking about breaking the San Diego sports curse, I mean, I'm just excited. I'm really thrilled. So, um, yeah, I invite you to watch, you know, Hacksaw's podcast tomorrow at 2. Um, just, you know, look for Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. And, you know, we're getting him on the audio-only podcast. But for now, look for him on Google Podcast, probably the most popular platform that he's on now. He should be approved on Apple Podcasts and a few others um, soon. But, you know, it takes a while. Like, it takes a few weeks till it gets approved. It's kind of a process. But at any rate, amazing. What an amazing day it was yesterday. And, and so, like I said, I, I've, I've only recently come back down to earth uh, from all of this. And tonight's going to be a lot of fun. So, now, I want to get into... <laughs> Um, this idea of the Major League Baseball trade deadline as a metaphor for life. I've been thinking about this, and this is kind of a neat approach, I think. Before I get into this, I just want to say, you want to get more information on my my project, go go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. There you can have access to all of our podcast episodes. All of our YouTube videos are on the website. Uh, there's blog articles. Um, I, my most recent blog article was about inflation and how you can fight back against inflation, some proactive things you can do. Um, there's all my links to my social media pages are there, so you can follow online, continue the conversation online. You can also get on my mailing list. Just go to johnreillyproject.com. Okay. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about this. And to me, this is a neat Neat thing, because you know, I got I got got me thinking about the Major League Baseball trade deadline, and think about it from the perspective of the people that are involved. I mean, think about it from the perspective of Peter Seidler, the owner of the Padres, or AJ Preller, the general manager of the Padres, and also think about it from the perspective of being one of those players that's in one of those trades and what they're going through and the emotions they're feeling. Now, from a team perspective, this this is a really neat time of the year because, you know, when the season starts, 
you know, there's always hope and optimism in March and spring training, right? The team does what they can to assemble their roster going into, into spring training. And they make their cuts and they have their roster and they come out opening day and hope springs eternal and everyone's really thrilled. And then the season kind of unfolds and some teams do better than you expect, worse than you expect. And then you get to this MLB trade deadline and it's really a chance where teams have done some serious evaluation. I've heard, I guess it was uh, Bobby Cox of the Atlanta Braves said that, you know, give me 50, 60 games. I'll know where my team is. And then from there, I can make the necessary adjustments. So once you get into June, you kind of know where you are, where you stand. You kind of know what kind of talent you have, what kind of chemistry you have. And then you can really kind of evaluate. It's a nice self-evaluation that you go through. Okay, so the team is going through self-evaluation. So while I'm going through this, I mean, think about this personally, about going through self-evaluation and looking at what you're doing in your life and being critical of what you're doing in your life, analyzing it, and making rational decisions to make adjustments because that's what these teams are doing because they all are trying to focus on getting better. That's what the team wants to do. I mean, that's what we should be wanting to do in our own lives is make those adjustments to get better. And that's what I love what these teams are doing. Now, granted, every team's got their own strategy, their own circumstances, their own um, uh, you know, competitive situation, their own, how should I say, their, their own uh, liabilities as well as assets. So they got to make different kinds of decisions. Every team has a unique circumstance, just like all of us in our life have unique circumstances. But it's a great time to reallocate your assets, right? They might deploy players in different positions. They might promote players, demote players, just like we need to do in our own life. We need to reallocate our assets, not just our financial assets, but our asset of time, our asset of our skills and how we deploy those. You know, so it's it's a very self-reflective time for a baseball team, but also as individuals, we should be thinking the same way and not just doing it once a year at the trade deadline, but this should be always an ongoing process. And then these teams, what they're also doing is they're reprioritizing their initiatives. You know, they probably went into the season thinking, okay, we got to, I'm just going to make this up. We got to hit for more power. That's our number one priority. Well, they get into the, into the season and maybe they're hitting for a lot more power than they thought. Then they make some adjustments. Okay, now we want to kind of focus on more on our defense. We want to prioritize that just like we do in life. You know, there are times in our life where we prioritize our health and then something shifts and we have to then maybe shift and prioritize family or prioritize career. It's that constant, ongoing self-evaluation, and rational approach to making adjustments in our life. And you think about it, for a lot of people, shockingly, a lot of people don't do this at all. A lot of people just go through life and they drift, going from their house to their job and their job to home and having dinner and watching TV and rinse and repeat. They may not seek out a career. They may just kind of drift and go through the motions in life, have no big um, aspirations, no, no goals, no, no objectives of things that they want to accomplish in their life, and they will drift. Sadly, we see this too often. Sadly, we see this, and a lot of times those are the people that are victims of addiction, mental issues. I mean, a lot of things. Uh, It's important that we remain focused. We take our lives seriously. And that's what's what's happening with these baseball teams, with A.J. Preller, with Peter Seiler. They're taking their lives seriously, making those adjustments with their team. And what the beautiful thing is what they're doing, especially with A.J. Preller, calculated risk-taking. So if you watch when, when... Preller came here. I think he was the GM, what, 2015, I think is when they signed him. Um, You know, he came out of the gate just making huge moves. And it was crazy there at the beginning. But he wasn't reckless. And especially as he got into other years, he would 
he would he would kind of pull back. He would decelerate because it wasn't the right time to make certain kinds of deals. But he was very calculated in his risk taking, and he knew that this was the year that was time to really kind of go all in because of the pitching staff that the Padres had, because they had acquired Hayter, because Tatis was coming back, uh, because Cronenworth was developing and is a far better player than they probably ever expected in the trade that they got him a couple of years ago. It was all the stars were aligning. It was a time for him to take that calculated risk. But how often do we see in people's lives that people are often afraid to do that, afraid to make that calculated risk, afraid to know that it's time to go all in? Now, granted, I'll look at my own life. There have definitely been moments in my own life where I probably was afraid to do that. It takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage to go all in. But there is a time to do that. And there's definitely a time not to do that. So it's a matter of, you know, really evaluating where you stand. But, you know, it's like YOLO. You only live once. You're never going to get anywhere in life unless you take calculated risks. The Padres have gone through decades of misery, 50 plus years of misery, save for two World Series appearances, where, by the way, they faced two of the best teams of all time. The 84 Tigers and the 98 Yankees. But for so long, so, there was just mediocrity. And granted, they didn't have as many assets to play, but so many times the Padres would kind of cower. They, they would not take the risk, not, not make the gamble. They were playing it almost too conservatively, and that just continued the mediocrity for so long. So... You have to take calculated risks in order to improve. And, but you've just got to be wise in how you go about it. But you can see these teams are doing it. And, and so, again, this is all kind of like free will, right? We all have the ability to make these choices in our own lives to improve what we're going, how we're going about it. Now, granted, this is me on my kind of analogy here of how the MLB trade deadline is kind of like an analogy in life. Now, when you ever use an analogy, it's easy to poke holes in it. You know, you could say, well, you know, the Yankees have all the money, right? So the rich are always going to do better than the poor. And therefore, it's not fair that they have these advantages. And yeah, those, and that's, that's true to a degree in baseball. It's also true to a degree in real life. But ultimately, you can't change those things. I mean, there's always going to be people richer than you, and there's almost going to be people that are poorer than you. But you can still make decisions that are in your own best interest. Now, meanwhile, other people are doing the same thing. They're trying to improve too. And some people do have more resources than you and have certain advantages. But that doesn't prevent you from making incremental progress on your own. Now, there is also a little bit of a difference where in baseball – or in any sport, it's kind of a zero-sum game. When you look at the wins and losses, every game there's a winner and a loser. Every game. Um, and every year there's a champion and non-champions. So in, in the world of sports, it's, it's a win-lose or a zero-sum kind of a, 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 a model. But in the world of economics, the world of real life, it's not necessarily that. In the world of real life, we can go out and have win-win outcomes. Now, granted, we're seeing that in the trade deadline here. Teams are Both teams can win in a trade. I think we can make a good argument that the Nationals are going to probably have some degree of winning this deal with, to get where the Padres got Soto and Bell because we gave them six excellent players, six excellent young players that have very bright futures ahead of them. In fact, 10 years down the road, we may look back on this deal and think that we got smoked. Um, but in, with the trades, it's always win-win. It's not zero-sum. It's, it's not a winner-loser thing. It's it's a win-win. Um, and, that, and that's usually the intent going in. Now, granted, it doesn't always turn out that way. But in, in life, that's true, too. I mean, we we have the opportunity to seek win-win outcomes. When we go to work for a new company, 
when we seek out a partner for marriage or, you know, we pursue any other kinds of relationships, business relationships, personal relationships, we're always seeking that win-win. We're not looking to make us a winner and them a loser. Now, granted, there are some people that do that. They see life as win-lose. A good example of that is Donald Trump. He sees life as win-lose. That's part of the reason why I never liked Donald Trump. Because uh, he wanted to win at the expense of others, and he wanted to quickly call them a loser. I think it's a terrible way to go through life. Better to seek win-win. But, you know, the, the owners are in this are playing a larger game than just this trade deadline thing and just winning a division. I mean, these owners are trying to build profitability for their company. So when, they, when the Padres get Juan Soto, they're also doing the math and saying, well, we think we're going to increase our attendance this much. We think it's going to increase revenue and profitability this much. We think that we can get Juan Soto, make that investment in Juan Soto, and still get a return on that investment. So they're playing a game at a, at a much higher level. When, it, when you look at this trade deadline situation, there's a lot more going on. I mean, the, the franchise is also trying to build their brand, um, and the Padres certainly have done that. Uh, their brand is way more valuable than it's ever been. The franchise is way more value than, uh, valuable than it's ever been. I think the recent ownership group, I think, bought it for, what was it, $600 billion about 10 years ago. And what are the Padres worth now? I mean, at least double, maybe even triple in the franchise valuation. So they know these calculated moves that they're making are also about making the franchise more valuable and ultimately the owners, the shareholders, wealthier. So there's a lot going on here. And, and you know, of course, they're also trying to, to build a legacy. And Peter Seidler wants to bring a winner to San Diego and kind of wants to be the guy that finally breaks the curse. So good on them. But when we're going through life, we need to be thinking bigger picture too. It's not just these individual transactions, these individual deals. I mean, we have to think more long-term, more about what's in our best interest, not just short-term, but down the road and how those decisions can be helpful to us. So when you look at it from a team perspective, it's really interesting. I mean, in fact, there's a lot of things that teams are doing that we should also be doing in our personal life. But from a player perspective, it's entirely different. I mean, players, to a large degree, have very little control. I mean, they just get traded. I mean, imagine that you are working for, and let's pick a company here in San Diego. Let's say you're a, um, a patent attorney, because I know a guy who used to be a patent attorney at Qualcomm. Let's say you were a patent attorney at Qualcomm, and you're working here in San Diego, and then you get a phone call you know, from the vice president of your division and say, hey, you know what? We've, uh, we traded you. And you're going to be going to work for Samsung. <laughs> and you'll be, you won't be living in San Diego anymore. You'll be in Seoul, Korea. And you need to pack your bags. They expect you there in 48 hours. Can you imagine getting that call? That's what these players get. And granted, they've got lives. I mean, they're setting up roots. And, 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 and they're trying to, you know, many of them married, have kids. And all of a sudden... They get a phone call in 48 hours. They got to move. I mean, how, how do you handle that? And then while you're going through that as a player, how can you perform at your, your peak ability while you're having to deal with so much chaos in your personal life? It's got to be really, really hard. So for players to a large degree, they're pawns in this game. Now, some players do get leverage. Some players, like we talked about Eric Hosmer. He was a 10-5 player. He had been in the league for 10 years, over five with one team. That gives him the ability to veto trades to a select number of teams. And he knew he didn't want to go to Washington. I don't blame him. Washington's in last place. He probably also wanted to stick it back to the Padres because they've been going doing this song and dance for so many years. And he's been felt probably felt very demeaned. And frankly, the fans in San Diego are so negative on Hosmer. Again, for a lot of reasons, I, granted, I think they've been a little too harsh on the guy, but 
granted, he wasn't living up to his contract, and he didn't seem like he really cared to improve all that much, which made it so frustrating. But at any rate, he had some leverage, and he used it. Good on him. And what he ended up doing was blocking that trade to Washington. And so then, remember, the Padres had to parlay uh, and had to flip instead Luke Voigt to Washington. And they ended up doing another deal. Whoops. They ended up doing another deal where they sent Hosmer to Boston. Now, this is, I mean, again, I'm thinking about this in terms of a metaphor for life. For Hosmer, he, granted, he had an unfortunate situation. He's leaving a team that he probably didn't want to leave. He was, he's married. He's got a, he's got a child on the way. His, his new wife is pregnant. He, he was building a life here in San Diego. He didn't want to move. Frankly, why would you want to move? San Diego is America's finest city. But he got jettisoned. Now, he used what little leverage he had and blocked that trade. And then Preller, knowing that Hosmer was going to be pushed out, he couldn't keep Hosmer at that point. He had to get rid of Hosmer some, any way, any shape, any form. And that's why they essentially dumped him on the Red Sox and gave him all the money that was owed to him and say, here, just take him off our hands. But Hosmer may, I, I kind of will be subtly rooting for him because it may turn out to be a good change of scenery for the guy. This is a little bit of an aside, but he's a lefty hitter. He goes the opposite way. He got the green monster there in left field at Fenway. That could actually work to his advantage. I mean, he may come out of this, you know, smelling a lot better than he did while he was here in San Diego. But, you know, change of scenery is usually always pretty good. But he's one of those guys that did have some leverage. Now, granted, with baseball players, it's different because they have contracts, right? You're locked in. And then they can trade you. They can flip you. So they don't have as much control over their personal life, which is why I'm trying to make this metaphor about. But they only get it when they're free agents. When baseball players are free agents, then they're just like regular people like us, where we can go to work for Qualcomm or go to work for Apple or go to work for the uh, you know, small business in your hometown. You can go out and seek relationships that are win-win. And players can do that when they're free agents and good on them. I mean, when players are free agents and they sign for huge money, I always think to myself, good on them. They earned it. And, and they had an opportunity to, to have that opportunity to, to make that kind of wealth. I mean, when Machado signed for 10 years, 300 million bucks, I mean, a lot of people came unglued. Oh, my God, that's too much money. And, you know, this is ridiculous. We need to be paying teachers more, not baseball players. But from Machado's perspective, good on him. He deserved it. He earned it. And the fact that he got paid that proves that he's worth it. Um, so... Players in baseball get to experience what we do in our personal lives to be free agents, but they only get to experience it when their contract expires. Manny has a 10-year deal. Now, granted, he has an opt-out after five, but generally speaking, he's got a 10-year deal, so he won't be really a free agent. Again, he'll probably opt out in five years, but if he didn't, he wouldn't be a free agent for 10 years. Tatis signed a deal with no opt-outs, no trade clause. 14 years. Tatis will not be a free agent until he's in his late 30s. And that's assuming he's still playing at that time. But for us as individuals, we are always a free agent. We are always a free agent. We can quit our job at any time. And a lot of people in this pandemic did that. They left their jobs, jobs that they were unhappy with, dissatisfied with. They didn't want to keep you know, grinding, working in, in, in a lot of maybe jobs that maybe they didn't feel like they were properly respected or properly compensated. People that had to work graveyard shifts or had to work behind a bar until three in the morning every night. A lot of them left their jobs and, it, and that was part of the great resignation. That's one of the silver linings that came from this pandemic. A lot of times people, they think they're trapped in their job. They think that they can't leave, but when the whole time they really can. I mean, America used to be a nation where people would travel 
cross country. I mean, I talk about my ancestors in this podcast a lot. They came to America from South Ireland. They immigrated into New York City, into Ellis Island. And then some of my ancestors worked their way to Butte, Montana, where they worked in the copper mines in the late 1800s. They traveled and seeked opportunity. Good for them. Good for them. But now, sometimes here in America, people won't make that move. They won't get in their car and drive. There are places in America where they're desperate for, I mean, frankly, they're desperate for employees everywhere. But there are particular parts of America where there's great opportunity in careers, great opportunities where cost of living is pretty good, but yet some people just won't move. They take for granted that they're a free agent when I believe they really have great opportunity in front of them. Yuri Bolin on the live stream says, unfortunately, some people got paid more to stay home. Well, unfortunately for who? Uh, for the for that person, it was a huge win. Gosh, imagine you're getting paid, I'm just going to make up some numbers, $15 an hour in your job. But then when you when the unemployment came with the pandemic, they were getting paid $18, $20 an hour effectively. I mean, you'd be, you'd be kind of a fool not to take that, right? And some of people did take that. But in the short term, that made a lot of sense during the pandemic because they got laid off their job and businesses were being shut down by the government. People were being given stay-at-home orders where they couldn't leave their house unless it was for um, a medical situation or to go get food or there was some important purpose. And so a lot of people lost their job. At that time, that made sense for them. There's unemployment insurance. That's what it's for. Now, granted, the federal government kicked in a lot. You know, we can, we can debate that. I mean, that's the $6 trillion stimulus, and that's what's part of the reason why we have crazy inflation right now. But from the perspective of those workers that were able to get a nice unemployment check, that's not in their long-term best interest, not at all. In their long-term best interest is to, number one, is to seek better opportunity that's going to pay even more than what that unemployment check provides. But secondly, your life, your quality of life is going to be better if you have a purpose in your life, if you are pursuing a career that you are building something, creating something, making a difference in the world, as opposed to sitting on your couch, which a lot of people did during the pandemic. They just didn't work. A life of sitting on your couch all day is really destructive to your life. Um, I'm on a bit of a tangent here, but um, people, my main point is, is that I think people take for granted that they're free agents. They take for granted that they can quit their job and sign, you know, sign like a ball player, sign anywhere else that they can pursue their happiness in a lot of different ways, but they feel like they're trapped in their situation when they really aren't. And a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, people came to this country with nothing but the shirt on their back and maybe a couple of bucks in their pocket. And that was it. That's all they had. And they came here and they seeked opportunity and they prospered and they were successful. How often do you see people do that now? They don't. Now, granted, there have been times when that's been difficult, but now more than ever, there are great opportunities out there for, for work because companies are so desperate for talent. Yuri Bolin on the live stream says, the businesses with no staff and the economy. I'm not sure what that's re in relation to, but... Yeah, I mean, so you look at the MLB trade deadline, and I think from an owner's perspective, from a general manager's perspective, they're making those, those calculated, rational decisions about how to get better, how to improve. What kind of changes can we make in our strategy to be better, to have a better quality on, uh, of a product, to be more successful in the field, to make our franchise more valuable? 
Those are things that we as individuals need to be doing every day in our life. As players, they, in many cases, are pawns in the game. And granted, they make a ton of money. I'm not feeling sorry for them. But in some ways, they are pawns in the game. But when they are free agents is when they have that flexibility. The free agency time for players, especially the talented ones, is a magical time for them. But we as individuals are free agents pretty much all the time. We're not locked into a seven-year deal. We can quit at any time and go to work for someone else. We can make changes in our relationships with our significant others, our spouses. We can make changes. There are a lot of things we can do in life, and I think people take it for granted. And how can you pursue your happiness if you're not willing to actually pursue it? That you're not willing to take the initiative, make the decisions to strive for something better and to pursue your happiness. I think you look at this whole trade deadline thing. I mean, even some players like you know Josh Bell we got from the, from the Nationals, he's going to be a free agent in two months. So he's a bit of a pawn in this game. Now, granted, he's happy to be here. He said so in the press conference. He's going to be connected with some of his old teammates like Joe Musgrove. And he's going to be on a team that has a chance to not only make the playoffs, but potentially to, to win it all. Good on him. But in two months, he's going to be a free agent. And in two months, he's going to be able to have that flexibility to make different choices. In this case, he didn't have the choice. He was shipped here. But in our life, we have the ability to make choices all the time. And I think that's really important to understand. So what a day yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was spinning all day. I mean, the, the changes um, for my home team, the changes throughout baseball, um, the way the teams were jockeying per position, some teams betting more on themselves, some teams kind of reeling it back a little bit, kind of deciding it's not the right time, making calculated decisions on how they should deploy their assets. And I saw what these teams are doing and how they're kind of playing the game. The game, actually, it's not the game within the game, but it's the game beyond the game, beyond the actual day-to-day matchup. They're playing long-term, the long-term game. And I just thought it did, there was just a lot of parallels between what these teams are doing and what we're doing in our life. And a lot of parallels to what some players are doing in their life and what we're doing in our life. But also some cases where players are legitimately stuck in their situation. But when we look at our lives, we may think we're stuck, but we're not. We have the ability to make those choices. I think that's that's an important idea, an important theme to think of. Okay, so, um, wow, we've covered a lot here. It's been a little over an hour. Um, I just want to close with this. I mean, again, I I started off talking about Hacksaw and and how that whole thing is developing, and I'm really excited um, about that project. I'm really excited for Lee. I'm really excited for me. I mean, it's kind of, it's a lot of fun uh, to kind of help Hacksaw get into the podcast world. So um, I encourage you, if you're interested in in it, uh, look for Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, or on whatever podcast platform you happen to be on. Um, And we're going to be doing a live stream Thursdays at two. Tomorrow is episode number two um, for Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. For me, this is episode number 283. (laughs) Um, So it's, this is a lot of fun. I'll tell you what. This project, I told you, I meet people. I have great experiences. I learn new things. This is just so much fun to do. I mean, if I had unlimited time and money, I'd do this every day because uh, I think it's just, it's just so enjoyable. Okay. So I do, I do have a closing quote today. I haven't done closing quotes in a while. And this is a fun one. It was, it was I was watching uh, the Padre game yesterday. Granted, I told you I was struggling working yesterday. And they played a doubleheader, so I was watching the day game, and the two Padre TV announcers, Don Orsillo and Mark Grant, were on TV, and they're talking about the trades. And you can kind of tell they were really careful on what they said, and because you know they're technically employees of the Padres, so uh, they they couldn't necessarily be critical of what was going on. Um, but 
they try to be politically correct. So most of their zingers are are kind of at each other. You know, they kind of make fun of each other. It was funny. And so they were aware of the website. I told you MLBTradeRumors.com, which is an incredible website. They were joking about this fictional website. Um, I guess, what was it? Uh, MLB um, Announcer TradeRumors.com. And they were joking about, wouldn't it be amazing if an announcer got traded? And apparently that's happened. I think Ernie Harwell who was the longtime radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, he, I think, was traded at one time in his life. But they were joking about being traded, and the one they were talking about as well, uh, like Orsillo just made this up. He says, well, I just got a report here. It's just fresh off the, as Hacksaw would say, fresh off the high-speed sports wire, uh, that uh, John Cruck, um, the color commentator for the MLB channel is coming to the Padres and he's being traded for Mark Grant, you know, the color commentator on TV. And so they were just having fun playing around with it until Don Orsillo made this quote about this hypothetical trade. And he says, oh, you know, the problem, though, <laughs> joking at Mark Grant, is this, you'll never pass the physical. <laughs> and I thought that was fantastic because they're always making fun of each other and and uh, their extra pounds they're carrying. Um, and believe me, I get it. I understand that. Um, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Those guys are great. I mean, we're really lucky to have them here in San Diego. Really great broadcast crew. Um, I mean, I, I was disappointed when we lost Matt Vaskersian because I thought he teamed up really well with Mark Grant. And they did. They were a great pair. But Orsillo and Grant, I think, is even better. Um, no disrespect to Vaskersian because he's, he's top notch as well. But um, anyways, what a day. So it's now like 3.48, and we've been going over a little over an hour. So we're going to wrap up this podcast. I encourage you, if you are listening, watching, tune into the Padre game tonight. I assume they're playing at 6.40. I think that's when they'll start. And got two new players in the lineup. There's going to be so much energy in the stadium. It's going to be sold out. The fans are going to be fired up. The team is going to be fired up. And you could even see that yesterday. They, the team and even Bob Melvin, the manager, where they were kind of had a bounce in their step. They, they, were, they had a lot more energy. You're going to see more of that tonight. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Uh, so I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. So with that, I'm going to sign off. This is the John Riley Project. This is episode number 283. And uh, we'll be back at you next week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.